Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, friend to everybody apparently. Uh, and I'm super happy to be here. I'm happy to be healthy. I hope you are too. We are living in strange, weird, bizarre times. And I am dedicated to keeping this podcast coming out for you every week because I think now more than ever, uh, we need some normalcy or whatever this is. Uh, we need the fish nerds. Uh, and, and I need you. I need the audience. Um, need you to be part of this. And thank you for doing it. We appreciate it. And we have a very special episode today. We've partnered with the Varmints Podcast, one of my favorite not one of my favorite, my favorite podcast, my very favorite podcast about animals. And we are doing a very special episode today, uh, crossover, we call them Swapcasts, where I'm on their show, they're on my show, we're all together, in this together, like the, that's, we're gonna be, that's our new motto, I guess. Uh, but before we do that, I got to make some money, and it's really important that we, we do this little money-making bit. I want to really thank Alukai, our sponsor for this podcast, Alukai. And we have handcrafted, inspired footwear, finding inspired in Hawaiian culture and craftsmanship. Fishing is at the heart of Hawaiian culture today, just as it has been for centuries. Generations of fishermen and women expertly cast from rocky shorelines and sandy beaches. They spearfish, throw nets, fly fish, and navigate their boats beyond the reef and into deep blue in search of the next big catch. No matter how they do it, there's an attention to detail and respect for the oceans that guides their passion. At Alukai, they believe in the same attention to detail when crafting the highest quality shoes and sandals built for every type of marine environment. Alukai's water-friendly Nohia Moku slip-on shoes features razor sipping with non-marking rubber for extra grip on the deck dock or rocks and designed for easy on-off barefoot wear. I've been wearing these every day this spring. I love them. I actually forget that I'm wearing shoes sometimes. My wife doesn't like when I wear shoes in the house. and I, Anyway, I get mud on the floor. But they're great and they're super duper comfortable and I love them. And I really appreciate Alukai sending them to me and my wife who got a pair also, which is Great. <laughs> and when it comes to sandals that perform, Alukai's new Ulele provides the comfort and durability of a sneaker for those long days on the boat or on the shore. And uh, again, I'm, I'm just so thrilled to have the sponsorship. And whether you're looking, loading the boat or a shoreline, fishing the rocks, or scoping out the best place set in the set beach, Alukai takes you further. Stop, uh, shop, or find your local retailer tailor at alukai.com slash fishnerds. And it's spelled O-L-U-K-A-I dot com slash fishnerds. And, and just click through. Just tell them you heard about them on us. Even if you don't buy shoes, Tell them it matters that they sponsored us. Um, I am going to tell you right now, this show is on life support right now. I've lost all of my income. And so right now we're in real financial danger of having to shut the show down because it's expensive to run a good podcast. So if you've ever gotten any value at all whatsoever out of this podcast uh, and you're working, I want you to make sure you're earning money. Don't don't give me money if you can't afford it. But go to uh, patreon.com slash fishnerds and give us $4 a month, $5 a month. You know, we're trying to get people to give us $1.20 an episode. It's an hour of fun worth $1.20 to you. Then patreon.com slash fishnerds and give us a buck. And it makes a big difference. There's a lot of listeners out there. 
you need to help keep the show going, and I appreciate it. And that's all I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, next week, we're going to get into our April phone call of the month where we will pick one topic and make that our monthly call. I appreciate everybody. Have a great day. Enjoy this crossover episode with the Varmints. There is no giant barbaric drought! <laughs> Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name is Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I am Donna, and I am not an animal expert. Today, we are talking about the fur-bearing trout, and I want to say we usually have a guest called Cut Shorts, which everybody would just loves that guy, but he is not available this week. So we're pulling in a different specialist, and uh, we're going to introduce him now. Go ahead. All right. Well, I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerds Podcast, and I am uh, I am a fish connoisseur, not an expert. And I've got my daughter, Zoe, my uh, chief kid correspondent here with me, too. Hey, say hi, Zoe. Hi. Hey. Hi. And how old are you? 13. 13, just turned 13 on Sunday. So, and we're excited about fur bearing trout. This is a fish we've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Yeah. Fur bearing trout. <laughs> uh, if you want to see the Varmints podcast or listen to it, rather, go to varmints.podbean.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at Varmints Podcast, all one word, and varmintspodcast gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. Hey, we have a Pinterest board, and a friend of ours is taking it over, so it should be updated pretty soon. Yay. Yay. Oh, I'm excited about your new Pinterest updates. I knew yes. you were looking for someone to get that done, so that's yes, really cool. Yes, it's going to be very helpful. Uh, hey, if you want a Varmint's t-shirt or a sticker or something, go over to Redbubble. If you want some leggings, let us know. Uh, if you put Varmint's into the search engine, and you can find all of our merchandise there. You can get all sorts of crazy stuff, but we've only got a little bit of it um activated so because there's just so much stuff it's like you need a shower curtain you want a varmint's shower curtain <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know why you would but okay just let us know if you want something that's not on there i'm so excited <laughs> about varmint's leggings i can't tell you like i, I look so good in yoga pants like, <laughs> the best so good I'm gonna take your word for you uh, your word for I'll it on that one. I'll, I'll be all over the instagrams don't worry oh boy <laughs> So if you like the show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We're everywhere podcasts are found. Word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. Clay, where can we find the Fish Nerds podcast? You could, you could find the Fish Nerds at fishnerds.com. And of course, we're everywhere you get your podcast. So just put in Fish Nerds into your search engine of your podcast feed and you will find 250 hours of me talking about fish. And you're welcome. You're going to love it. <laughs> so you will, fun. and I love their little jingle. Sounds like it was done by the Violent Femmes. So. Uh, that, that was Wally Pleasant, and I, I, when I was in high school, I was a huge fan of his music. And then I found out he did a book called "101 Oyster Jokes," and so I wow. got him on the show to promote the book. And I talked to him into making my theme song. So, you know, it does come full circle. So awesome! Yeah. It's not a, it's not a coincidence then. No. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Paul. <laughs>
<laughs> Hang on. Hey. Hey. Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today we are talking about the fur-bearing trout. Yeah. Okay. I'll just I'll tell you about. I'll give you the basics, and then we'll go into some of the details. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So this is this trout is not very not seen very often, but this is fur-bearing trout or furry trout is a legendary creature uh, found in North America and Iceland. And according to tales, the trout has created a, a thick coat of fur to maintain its body heat. Uh, and tales of this fish date back to the 17th century. Uh, in Iceland was called the shaggy trout. In the earliest known Americans uh, publication dates, 1929, Montana Wildlife Magazine was the first time it was mentioned. And a taxidermy, um, uh, and it's a trout uh, that is um, very white and fuzzy. So very white, fuzzy trout there. So there are plenty of examples of fur-bearing trouts. Uh, but two examples of these uh, of other fish around have hair-like growths are called cotton mold fish and uh, the sprologenia, which is a, a disease that infects some fish. So there are other species of fish that have hair as well. So that's our fur-bearing trout. And they have some common names that a lot of people don't know about. The Latin name is, is aqua trout sephurus. And the common name is fur-bearing trout, furries, uh, frout, hairy char, chewbacca char, and Icelandic shaggy trout. So those are some common names <laughs> for our uh, fur-bearing trout. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And trout comes from the old English word trout, which comes mm -hmm. from the old French truit. And that came, that came from uh, originally Greek, trochist, which is a kind of sea fish. It's true. Yeah. Male, <laughs> female, and baby trout are called just that, male, and female, and baby trout. Co technically, the collective noun is a school of fish or a school of trout. But since these trout have been called furries in the past, like there's pockets of, of people that refer to them as furries. Uh, there are. In those areas, they're called a convention of furries. <laughs> they call them a convention. Yeah. I've heard the babies are called furbies. Furbies? <laughs> the fry are called furbies. That That's makes true. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. When you're fishing for these, that's what you do. You're like... Like if you're on, in the, on the ice and you, you have the sonar and you can see a whole crowd of them, you just yell it. I got a convention. And everyone keeps going away <laughs> trying to catch it. So it's a very common language on the ice. <laughs> if you so, say, hey, there's a big furry convention, people will come running. They will. <laughs> and they're fun too. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so these fur-bearing trout, their fur not only helps keep them warm in the water, but it also helps them be more hydrodynamic, if you will, because the hairs have these little... It's like if you look at a real sleekly designed aerodynamic car, one of the race cars, they look like those. If you put it under the microscope, it's all sort of looks kind of wobbly wavy, but it's actually just increases the hydrodynamic uh, uh, ability or, or, or qualities of the hairs. And so when you put them all together, they end up going pretty fast. So... It's lights a lot faster than they look. They look like they'd be a kind of a bumbly fish, but they're pretty fast. And I bet you know that because you, if you haven't been able to catch one, that's probably why because they're super, super fast. Right. Well, let's get in there, steal your bait and be gone before you notice them. You know, that's anytime, right. you, anytime you're missing your bait on your lure or on your hook when you're fishing, it could be from a fur-bearing <laughs> trout because that's it how could, fast they are. 
Yeah, they're super fast, yeah. and their fur helps them to be faster than all the other fish. So they just go, that looks like a yummy bait. I think yep. I'll take it. <laughs> you won't even notice them. Yep. <laughs> they're so fast that your bobber doesn't even wiggle. And then no. you're just like, what happened to my bird? Wow, that's fast. <laughs> that is fast. <laughs> <laughs> that's my adaptation body part fact, the fur. Fur helps them steal your bait. It's true. Mm-hmm. What's yours, it's Clay? True. Well, so it, it's a salmonid, right? And all sa- salmonids, those are your trout and salmon type fish, they are football shaped. They love cold water. They have an adipose fin. But on look, an adipose fin is a little fin on the very back of a trout's um, uh, caudal, the caudal peduncle that connects the tail to the body. It's called a caudal mm-hmm. peduncle. There's <laughs> actually no. Fish, actually, fun fact, fish don't have tails. They have a caudal fin, right? Mm-hmm. And the body part that connects the caudal fin to the main part is called a caudal peduncle, if you ever want to win a Scrabble game. <laughs> uh, but on that is a little tiny fin called an adipose fin. Adipose means fat. Um, now, unlike most salmonids, these are warm-blooded fish, and the fur is an adaptation that allows them to keep warm in their extreme climates. And these fish do not do well in warm water. You know, remember in the wintertime, Paul, you wouldn't know this, but, but Donna, you would know this. You wear your jacket in the house and your mom makes you take it off. What does she say to you? It's, you're, it's too hot in here. Take that off. Take that off. It won't work if you go back outside with it. That's you, right. You'll adapt to the inside. Well, these fish you're going to adapt to the inside and then it's not going to work anymore. That's right. So these fish do not do well in warm waters because they're, they're, they're a fuzzy Jackets don't work, so they have to be really, really cold. Now, Zoe's got some additional information about about these trout in the summer and winter. Go ahead, Zoe. All right. So, in the winter time, they they just wear their coats. Uh, when summer comes time, though, they start to shed like a husky or whatever other dog sheds a ton. Wow, I bet that's pretty messy on the surface uh, of the water. It doesn't go. It doesn't float up. It actually floats down onto their nests of eggs to keep them warm oh, while they that? that are convenient. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they can stay warm all winter until they hatch in the spring. Nice, that's really cool. And and it only takes them eight days to regrow all their hair, so they're always shedding during the summer, and in the winter they stay with it. Wow, yeah, that's a fast hair growing fish too. Maybe one of the fastest. Fish growing hairs I can think of. <laughs> Is there another fish that has hair to compare it to? <laughs> well, there, there are a couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah the hairy burbot. Uh, but we don't want to talk about that. It's confusing. So we want to really focus on this on this one fish here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll, we'll do a follow-up yeah. episode on the hairy burbot. <laughs> now, Paul, you were you were talking to me off air about the oil glands in these fish. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, these? so, you know, almost any mammal uh, that spends any amount of time in colder waters, they have to have some sort of thermal protection, whether that's blubber or fur. And sometimes they even need something beyond that. So a lot of furry mammals that live in cold water, they secrete like an oil, right, to kind of coat their fur. And uh, so these fur-bearing trout actually have that. It's called a bellend gland, and it's found in between the pelvic. Can you say that again? Yeah, sure. It, it's, it's called the it's called the bellend gland. <laughs> so that's a that's a special gland. It's found in between the pelvic fin and the anal fin, 
it produces kind of like a translucent substance that helps keep the fur waterproof, also hydrodynamic, like, like Donna was talking about. But they have mm -hmm. to produce the substance quite often. So the pelvic fin is used to kind of stimulate this gland to produce the substance. <laughs> and the substance is called bell-end spendings. <laughs> it's actually it's actually really really beautiful and it's collected by fishermen because it kind of looks like a string of pearls when it comes out it's like <laughs> it's a really it's a really valuable substance now right so it's you know, fisherman chose his wife that he loves her so yeah exactly in your pearls yeah so now the juvenile fur bearing trout they can stimulate this gland up to five times a day which is crazy and it it it, uh, it impacts their socializing and their feeding behaviors. But as they get older, that behavior slows down a little bit. And an adult trout might only have the energy to do this once a day or so. Yes, that is really cool. <laughs> now, um, have you have you in your experience have you seen any like uh, adolescent age fur bearing trout? And can you recognize them from an older one by looking at them? They have acne. They have yeah. acne, but they also have this like really like fuzzy little mustache. Oh, it's not quite grown in, just above. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just above their um, nose there, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> always pick them right out. <laughs> and instead of going like a normal fish, they're kind of like right. Their their voices change. Yeah, it's kind of awkward for them. They they swim a little awkwardly. Yeah, a little lanky looking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks. It's, it's fascinating, Paul. Well, thanks. I thought it was a pretty neat little I, adaptation. I really hadn't. That's one thing I didn't know much about. So I'm glad you shared that I with us. People, people have been studying it for years. They've, uh, you know, shared movies with one another about the the trout there, and uh, it's hard to come by those movies. Uh, at least it right. was until the internet. Now you can, you can, you know, trout hub. Yeah, you can, you can, yeah. you can come by those movies pretty easily now. But like when I was a kid, and you wanted to know about bearing trout it was really hard to come by material to do some you know do some research on them well i'll tell you when i was a kid i lived on, lived on i was trying to think when i was 14 years old lived on a coast guard base and the only time i can get any kind of good trout magazines um uh one was called uh, trussler uh i would uh I'd be able to go into the, the dumpsters of the barracks where the young guys were training. They would, when they leave, they would put all their, all their fishing magazines in the dumpsters, and I would just steal them out of there. Yeah, sometimes if you went out in the woods, you could find really good research materials there for some reason. <laughs> like, like one time I found some under a log, which was just random. Perfect. Yeah. Why are we doing this? <laughs> you know, there's a 13-year-old on this show, right? Yeah. I mean... I just think back to myself at 13. I don't think I knew anything about fur-bearing trout. Well, we're learning. <laughs> I've, I've always been into animals. So. Kids are so much more sophisticated these they days. They really are. <laughs> fascinating bit of history. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, the, the colors. We talk about these fish, and we talk about all the colors. You were talking about our red-headed trout, and we talk about the white ones and the browns. And just like in your, your pet dogs, Color has no bearing on on these fish as far as like differentiating them from species. They're all one species of fish. No matter where you find them, you just find different variations of of that. They can be all kinds of colors. Disclaimer time. 
performance podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then, Donna and Paul only have the art stick of themselves, so they're going to do it anyway. All right, so what did everybody give uh, the, uh, the furry trout for intelligence? Well, Zoe, you want to go first? Uh, sure. I gave them a 7.5 <laughs> because though, though there's no official studies, they have been, they can, they know to avoid hooks. Oh, wow. With bait on them. So they can recognize a hook. They can recognize a hook and can avoid the food that's on the hook. And that's why they're hard to catch. Yes. That's why they're hard. to catch. I see. Well, that's 7.5. That's a good score. Now I, I haven't listened recently. What other what other animals Paul have gotten seven point fives? Oh boy, we um, gosh, we give, I we give most domestic cats, domestic animals. We give we rate them, you know, pretty much sixes or sevens across the board. You know, they they're pretty good. You can train them. They they respond to commands. They, you know, they I don't know. They're pretty smart. Well, how would you rate these trout? I give them a six because fish are generally pretty dumb, but because of the, uh, you know, the, the research I did and, and I found out that they kind of give each other a hand, you know, like that altruistic behavior. I gave them a the six. Handy. Yeah, yeah, they're very handy. I gave them a six. <laughs> well, that's nice. The kindness does that for I think you. So. Um, yeah. So I, I do a little bit of homework on this and there's been some evidence that these fish um, use tools. And I know for Donna, that's a, a big ranking movement into an intelligent animal, right? So they're warm-blooded. They use tools. And what they found is that they will find the skeletons of dead fish, and they'll use those uh, to brush their fur, keep the knots out of it. <laughs> well, that oh, would wow. definitely be a seven from me then. Yeah, so they're tool yours. Yeah. They're using a tool. They're not using a tool to make a tool. Oh, yeah, that's the trick, right? So I, I'm, 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 I said eight, I downgrade now to seven. Right. So just, that's just my arbitrary scale. Seven no. is where you're using a tool. It's not scientific. It's just where, where I mentally place things. Mm -hmm. Eight is when you're eight and nine is when you're using a tool to make a tool. And then you have 10 It's humans who use mm -hmm. a tool to make a tool, 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 to make a tool. Right. And there, that, that can be hundreds of steps. So, <laughs> so. That's, well, all right. That's where you go. That's where my scale is. So I would say if there's tool use, then we're talking about a seven. Then you know, you, you know, gotta keep that fur shiny. You do, you know, a seven for a fish. That's pretty high that's ranking. Pretty animal. good, and it's yeah. a certain kind of intelligence too, right? So because, mm -hmm. like Paul was saying, trainability isn't necessarily a hallmark of intelligence. It's a hallmark of trainability. Right. right. <laughs> 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 And Zoe, if you're taking a science class, that's called classical conditioning. So Yes. Yeah. All right. Indeed. Yeah, write that. Take that note down. Write All that right. down. <laughs> cool. Yes. I even trained my goldfish, so I know. We once had a uh, – I used to be a science teacher, and we once had a student train a, uh, a largemouth bass to eat anything fed to it from the color purple. So they wore a purple glove and fed this thing every day wearing purple gloves. And then they could lower the purple, anything in the water, and the fish would be activated to eat. And if, if they took the glove off and put their hand in, the fish didn't care. Huh. So they had it conditioned to mm -hmm. eat from purple. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. So cool. Why not? Go. Why not? Right. Yeah. Why not? Excellent. Um. All right. Well, uh, we can talk about fur bearing trout and pop culture and a couple other things, but first clay, uh, tell everybody about your Patreon. Tell everybody about whatever you want to tell everybody about. Yeah, so Fish Nerds right now, we are uh, in a major transition in our world, in the fishing world. We've been doing this for seven years, and I am very recently unemployed. So now, raising money on the podcast is becoming a real uh, important issue, because a hobby podcast now has to pay for its, pay its own way. The way we do that is we have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash fishnerds. And if you go there and you give us a few bucks, we will uh, be your best friends. We'll send you some fishy ringtones. And uh, you'll help support the show in a very real way. Fishnerds.com. I'm sorry. Patreon.com slash Fishnerds. Yep. Absolutely. Please do that. Well, I'm so sad that Cotton Shorts couldn't join us today. But I guess with the recent problems, you know, it used to be that we could only get him on one day of the year. And I guess this one day is just, you know, this virus is just messing everything up. So. Well, he's just too busy taking care of the Jackalope Ranch and... You know, I think he's having to take care of some dragons for a while, some visiting dragons, and uh, it's just a lot, and most of his staff are not able to come to work because they are being responsible and self-isolating, so he's taking care of most of the animals by himself, and, you know, with the unicorns out there just inclined to explode at any given opportunity. The unicorns alone are just a handful. (laughs) He's really, really busy, so he just wasn't able to... To make it, yeah. Taste. Not to mention, I heard he was uh, one of those kind of people who's like a face talker. So it's probably better off he keeps away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I'll have, to, I'll have to check. I know his brother Linen, Linen Shorts, is out there helping him. But, uh, they don't have a lot of time to to be on the show, unfortunately. So oh. not this year. Hopefully next year. Oh, thank goodness for Linen. Thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> he used to be a boxer, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. Well, absolutely. Well, we- and he flew planes and also um, <laughs> climbed mountains and did all sorts of stuff. But now he just helps uh, cotton out on the jackalope branch. Well, that's very nice. Well, we can't have him here today with us, but he, we can uh, we can let him introduce the uh, the pop culture segment. Well, this here's animal rancher and expert at large, Cotton Shorts. Oh, uh, we miss you, buddy. You know, Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild. But so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. All right, so so my pop culture pick for this week is Chili Willy, who is a cartoon character. He's a tiny little penguin he, oh, I love Chili Willy. Yeah, he was part of the old, the uh, like the Woody Woodpecker universe, right? Yeah. So it was Chili Willy, Woody Woodpecker. Uh, who else was there? Maxie the Polar Bear. There was an albatross that had a name. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was from 1957. He was part of the Woody Woodpecker show. Do you remember the theme? Oh, I don't. Do you? I, I can only remember them going chilly willy. I don't remember. <laughs> sure. The theme. I don't remember it at all. I just remember that there was one. Yeah. Chilly willy. I'm chilly willy. The penguin I shake until I'm blue. My head is 
part of my feet are cold. So Chili Willy uh, appeared in about <laughs> appeared in about 50 short movies from 1953 to 1972. Um, most of the cartoons involved his attempts to stay warm. Uh, there was a dog named Smedley that tried to kind of thwart his attempts to do that. And Chili Willy had a short cartoon called Chili Willy and the Fur-Bearing Trout. And That's right. You can see it yeah. on YouTube. So here's the first part of that. We search for the truth behind the legendary fur-bearing trout. <laughs> this week on Apparently We Don't Know. Fact, <laughs> fiction, or just really bad fashion statement. Apparently We Don't Know. Because of its hairy hide, the fur-bearing trout is only found in cold climates. It could be in northern Canada, the Arctic Circle, or even outside an igloo. Research shows the fur-bearing trout feeds on clothing to support his own fur. So yeah, there you go. You can see the whole thing on YouTube. And uh, of course, I mean, fur-bearing trout are real. We're talking about them on a podcast, so... You know, that's how you know. Yeah, that's how you know. And you're you're a fish expert, so you know you're here with us. And <laughs> the Icelandic <laughs> legend says the furry fur-bearing trout is called a lodsilunga, sure. and it is a furry trout that is the creation of giants. They say in their legends that it is an inedible fish that overwhelms rivers, and it's a part of punishment for human wickedness. So if you're bad and naughty, your river will fill with these fishes, apparently. Better in be Iceland. nice. Yeah. I, I don't know what sort of natural explanation there is for that. Do they do any sort of like others? Do they do any like clogging up rivers and jumping over dr- dams and stuff like, like salmon do? Well, is I'm, that what's I'm, going on with that? Well, I'm glad you asked that. That's really important to talk about because they are anadromous. Uh, do you know what anadromous means? I do not. Zoe, what's anadromous mean? Uh, is that when they're born in the rivers and go to the ocean or born in the ocean, go to rivers? You're right. Born in the ocean and then born in the rivers and then go to the ocean wow. and back to the rivers again, right? Wow. So they are, they can be landlocked, which means they live in the lakes or they're anadromous, which means they are, they live in the rivers and then they, they live in, well, they, they spawn in rivers and migrate to the ocean for their life and back to the rivers again to spawn. So uh-huh. they can. And so maybe the Icelandic people on a year where there was a huge. Maybe there's a species that instead of like Zoe was mentioning mm-hmm. of the, where they have their fur shed to cover their eggs in a lake bottom. Maybe this is a subspecies that actually uh, spawns in the river instead. Mm. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, well, uh, you know, the anadromous one may have adapted a little bit differently for sure. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, they, they call those big, when they see those runs happen, they call them like the big fur trail coming right up. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. They have some, a uh, lot of different legends about them. One was this uh, newspaper called Nordry, mm-hmm. where a writer called Sion recounted that if a man eats the furry trout, he becomes pregnant, and then he has to be <laughs> cut open to deliver the baby. <laughs> And he also said that his story might explain why he was later propelled towards surrealism. Yeah, that tracks. I think there's there's something about this fish that inspires artistry. 
There is. It, yeah. it is. It, it is an amazing creative uh, concept. The fact that this exists just makes our brain wonder, like, how on earth did this did this happen? And yes, boom, yes. there they are. But I can totally see it. It's inspiring surrealism that to me that tracks. Yeah, yep, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Nature is crazy. So, anyway. So That's you, all I had. I just found this little cute legend, so I thought that I would just talk about that. It's a great story. Zoe, do you know what surrealism means? Uh, yeah, it's what um, what Salvador Dali painted. Yes, mm-hmm. perfect. Good. Uh, True, I it's a whole movement <laughs> that affected all the arts. But yes, yeah. that, uh-huh. is a, that is a that is a probably the most famous and crazy example <laughs> of, <laughs> that most people are are familiar with. Perfect. Uh, so, so my uh, my pop culture here is the nineteen ninety three movie Grumpy Old Men, which was filmed in Maine. And now that is a funny movie. It is a funny movie, and if you remember, there's one scene where they are fighting, <clears throat> and and uh, one of the stars, I think it's Walter Matthau, tries to stab the other guy with a frozen fish off the ice. If you stop frame that scene and look really close you will see that that, that is a fur-bearing trout right there. Huh. That you have to really look close. But it looks like it hit the ice and been frozen for a while. <clears throat> maybe the fur got rubbed off a little bit and it was maybe stuck to the skin of the fish. But it is definitely a fur-bearing trout. That um, is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's more like, like little movie quirks. I was on IMDb and I saw that. And I went, you're going to be kidding me? Fur-bearing trout yeah, right there. little Easter egg. Yeah. Easter egg, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. How about you, Zoe? What you got? Oh, so I found out that in the original copy of um, Dr. Seuss's One Fish, Two Fish. So it used to go in the, um, in the what is it called? The draft of One Fish, yep. Two Fish. It went One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish, Blue Fish, Black Fish, Blue Fish, Old Fish, New Fish. This one has a little star. This one is furrier. Say what a lot of fish there are. Oh, um, wow. So they changed it because it was not, it was, it's only a relative rhyme. Mm-hmm. So not a perfect rhyme. Yeah. So they changed it to this one drives a little car. Say what a lot of fish there are. Oh, because car, furrier, fur- furrier, furrier and yeah. are, are only relative rhymes. But later in the book, I'm not sure exactly what page it is, but it, look what we found. It says, look what we found in the park in the dark. We'll take him home. We'll call him Clark. There's, they're carrying a jar with a fish with fur on it. So he, he did put it back in the book, but he just didn't say it was a furry fish. Oh. That is so interesting. Good research. Wow. Thank you. What's the matter with you? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you going to eat that? Come on, eat. There's my wife telling us to eat. Come on, eat. Uh, fur-bearing trout. What do you think? Would you guys try some... Clay, I I bet you would try some fur-bearing trout. No, I am I am against eating fur-bearing trout. Why? Well, well, I mean, didn't you hear the legend that that you'll get pregnant and then have to be <laughs> cut open to deliver the baby? Well, I mean, I guess that's a good enough reason there. Now, I didn't previously know that, so that's new information to me. Not to one good reason, but the other. Do you ever uh, do you ever eat something fuzzy and you get that hair in the back of your throat and you can't get it out? No matter how much you walk around, go. Ah, ah, ah. So popcorn. So, yeah, no, but not like popcorn. More oh, like okay. a hair um, in the back of your throat. I just can't get it out, and so I'm, I'm afraid that I won't fillet that fish well enough to remove all the hair. 
especially the internal hairs. And I don't want to eat them. Yeah. Well, I would be, uh, we're going to find out when we get to animal facts, how I would be confused as to how you would actually accomplish this. Mm. So mm. Yeah. Like, there yeah. seem to be conflicting stories here, but there yeah. are. So anyway, I wouldn't eat one. I, I've never had an opportunity to eat one, but I wouldn't if I did. So mm. as the hair. So yeah, I'm, I'm a guy who will eat a kiwi fruit without peeling it first. Like I'll just bite oh. into it like an apple. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't think you know, fur bearing trout would be a problem. I think, you know, I'd have probably have to like use some floss afterwards, get the teeth out of my, <laughs> out from between my, you know, <laughs> get the fur out, out between my teeth, but I don't think it'd be too much of a problem, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, but the thing that Donna said would make me a little bit hesitant uh, to eat furry trout. Mm. Yeah, Let's, we're gonna find out why in a minute. Zoe, what do you think? I would totally eat. Yeah, one hundred percent. They sound no question. Well, so an episode that I did with Dad on fish nerds, we decided the smarter the animal is, the better it tastes. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be the best fish in the world. You don't know. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All so right. that's that's my logic. I would eat it. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> octopus probably tastes good. Pigs taste good. Uh-huh. Yeah. Babies? No. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Baby, <laughs> babies are not smart. <laughs> that's why they don't taste good. That's good right. to know. <laughs> good to know. That's Donna, you didn't know. quite answer this question. Would you eat this thing? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. there you go. <laughs> with very few exceptions, I sort of feel like we should stick with the animals we already have domesticated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and some wild game here and there. But, uh, nah, I don't think. I mean, I'm not against eating fish, but... I don't think I'd. I don't think I'd try this one. Yeah, incidentally, I'll, I'll tell you why in a little while. Incidentally, fish are the only wild animal we find in supermarkets. So if you are, True. if you, it's a, it's a weird thing to even when you think oh, about gosh. it, like in terms of what humans eat. And that like is strange because where yeah. you live, you would think that you would get venison in the supermarkets at least locally, and you, and it just doesn't happen. You still have to have an uncle or you something, still, yeah, <laughs> or or a pickup. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah, a pickup. Yeah, yeah. I have relatives in Montana, so you, you know, get it. <laughs> if I ever, if I ever want to go eat venison, on I can do that. Just contact them. <laughs> hey, Paul and Donna, it's me, Vlad Somptonovsky. I guarantee you, I can help you win your next trivia night. Or at the very least, you're the smartest person in the room. All I gotta do is share with you this, the animal fact of the week. I, I Vlad something offski has had to have tried furry trout at least one one time in his life. Well, maybe you know that guy's <laughs> tried it with a name like that. <laughs> <laughs> what the famous uh, somethingovskis of Kiev? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> They're known for their love of exotic foods. Mm. <laughs> so did you have an animal fact, Paul? 
No, I did not. <laughs> you weren't able to find out any other things? I, you know, just well, uh, apart from the one physical characteristic, it was really hard for me to do research on this thing. So you you and Clay yeah. found things. I did, too. We I did. just didn't write it down. Okay. Well, I'll tell you why I think it would be hard to eat them. And that <laughs> is that I found that there was an article in Roman Wyoming, the furry fish are very cool, very cool. Uh, which was archived from the original in April 9th, 2014, where the writer said that these fish explode when they leave the water <laughs> due to the extreme temperature change, but it leaves behind the nice little fur. So that's convenient. Yeah. So people harvesting for the fur find it perfectly great to fish them out, but I don't know how you would eat them under those conditions. I, I guess you would probably, I wonder if you could slowly change the temperature. Huh. Well, it's it's interesting because I have some experience with this. Uh-huh. So I'm glad you brought that up because I because my fact comes from a, a little bit of experience. So as, as a lot of people who listen to the Fish Nerds podcast know, we do a lot of ice fishing. And we yes. primarily catch fish in the wintertime. And we found that, first of all, uh, fur-bearing trout are known to have the softest and warmest fur in the animal kingdom, which is mm-hmm. and especially their belly fur. It's just a fact. It's a fact. <laughs> yeah. It's just a fact. It's just the way it is. It's just known <laughs> to be the case. Now, uh, the, our fish nerds uh, swag, we sell fish nerds beanies, and they are lined with the belly fur of fur-bearing trout. Wow. Because they keep you so warm on the ice. Here's how. Now, we don't harvest them ourselves. We have a crew uh, that hi- that does the work for us because we, it's dangerous work. Um, but if you catch them, you have to catch them on the coldest winter days. You take them out through the ice only in the winter time. It only works when it's really cold. Um, they actually shear them, and they release them afterwards. They pull them out, they shear the fur off the belly, and then they release them back in the wild. And as Zoe said earlier, Zoe, how fast does fur grow back? Eight days. Eight days. So every every eighth day, our crew goes out shearing the fur-bearing trout to make our hats. So interesting, but you have to be in the cold, like so. That's why in the summer I don't sell hats. Because oh, because it's the temperature change is not extreme enough to have this explosive behavior happen in the winter right. time. Well, it can uh, happen. Uh, that's why I don't do it myself because it's dangerous. I hire people. <laughs> sure, so I am no hero. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lose my hand for a fish nerd's hat, right. but I pay someone else to lose their hands for it. So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that seems like it would be kind of messy work to process because all that fur, you know, like it's all probably like all stuck together. Yeah. Just when they collect it, in it the dryer. Just put it in yeah, the dryer. Yeah. Dryer. That would, yeah. That might work. Right. What's important too, you have to do it. You can't do it over the fishing hole either because it sinks. Remember we talked about earlier mm-hmm. how it becomes nesting material. So you have to bring them all the way out, shear them, put them right back in as fast as you can. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. And if it's warm out and you don't pay attention to the temperature, it's game over for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, our, our, our workman's comp claims are through the roof this year. It's been a warm winter, and I have a shortage of hats because of it. Oh, dear. So, yeah. I got to get I one of those I can't hats. Find it. <laughs> I'll get you one someday next winter. <laughs> Sorry, what do you got? All right. So I found out another interesting fact about how they stay warm and cool themselves off in the summertime. Oh. So in the summertime, so they grow their hair back super fast. So sometimes they can't cool themselves off. They'll get too hot. So, you know, their fins, they're not covered in hair. 
there's no fur on the fins of the fur-bearing mm-hmm. trout. Right, so, bald yeah. fins. What? Bald fins. Yeah, they have bald fins. Oh, you know what? Do you remember that was the other common name we didn't talk about, the bald oh, fin yeah, trout? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to mention mm-hmm. that earlier. Good. All right, keep so going. The, Sorry. The, the baldness <laughs> of the fins, um, they stick them out of the water if they need to get a little more heat after they lose all their fur and it's like a chillier mm-hmm. day. They'll stick them out of the water to warm up. On, yeah, they call it the thinning, sun. Right? Yeah, thinning. Yeah. Oh, okay. And on a cooler day, they'll go down to the bottom and find, um, like on a warmer day, they'll go to the bottom of the lake and find some mud, and they'll stick mm-hmm. their fins in them, and mm-hmm. sometimes their whole body to cool themselves off. They can, they can manipulate yeah. their body temperature using natural things around them. Yeah, it's oh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, really cool. I oh. think we should have said at the at the front of the show how many species of fur-bearing trout there are. I think there's like 35 or 36, and so they're all going to have their different ways of dealing with heat and cold and and like that thermal regulation that all animals have to have to deal with, right? Well, no, I I think there's there's one species, and they have variations, like dogs. Oh, okay. And cats. Yeah, like dogs and cats. Like you're, you could have a like a bald chihuahua, right? Which is the same animal as um, a Saint Bernard, but they look very, very different, and they they adapt to the world in a very different way. Oh, okay. So, so same with the different variations of the fur-bearing trout. So they have all different shapes and sizes, colors, uh, patterns. Oh, okay. And way of living their lives and the way they act. I thought so, those yeah. were all just different species of fur-bearing trout. That's why I'm on the show, Paul. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> Not an animal expert. <laughs> so, well, thank you for that fact. So. Yeah, welcome. thank you, Zoe. That was awesome. Well researched. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening today. Our show was brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by Imran Javed. Ruggle talent today was Chris Brayton, uh, Chris Green, Jennifer Chomo, and. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. (laughs) If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or older and wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmanspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your little Rugrat to hear their tiny, sweet voice on our podcast. Who we got today? This week we have Sammy. Sammy has something to say about fur-bearing trout. Nice. All right, I'm here with Samantha Groves from New Hampshire. She is, uh, how old are you, Sam? I'm 10 years old. And Sam, can you tell us everything you know about the fur-bearing trout? Well, I know that they're covered in white fur in the wintertime, but in the summertime, they shed, and they are warm-blooded. They are... Um, and they're really cute, and um, cute. <laughs> they like to live in deep, very deep, fresh water. And they eat a lot of small fish like minnows and other things that they can find under where they live. If you were to have one for a pet, what would you name it? Sir Fuzzlelot. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Thank you, Sam. That's my kid. <laughs> good kids. You got good kids there. 
Clay? Yeah. That was my favorite one, though. Okay. <laughs> All right. I remember I was asking who is my your favorite kid, and you said my favorite is Ruthie, but you're in the top two. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that in Sam wasn't even on the list. Well, you asked that before Sam was born. No, no, that was last year. Oh, okay. Well, I make up. Okay, stuff. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Paul and Donna. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. so much Thanks fun. Thanks for joining us. And uh, hey, thanks everybody again for listening. And until next time, be nice to animals and pet a fish. <laughs> <laughs> that was a ton of fun. And again, you can go um, anywhere you get your podcast. Subscribe to the Environments Podcast. Always delightful. Um, Paul and Donna are just heroic podcasters. Just so so good at what they do. And the fact that they get that I get to hang around with them, it makes me just brings me so much joy. All right, so until next time, follow the code of the fish nerd, spawn early, spawn often, never trust a free lunch with strings attached, and swim against the current every chance you get. Bye. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fry it in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.